What is up, Podheads? Back with another episode of the Podio Slay Podcast. My name is Tony. I am joined by Anthony and Nate, as always. And man, we are on a friggin' run right now. <laughs> another great conversation in the books today. You're absolutely right. Another great conversation. I'm Anthony. And now it's to the point where, you know, where we have all these great conversations. You know, do we just go conversation? Do we just do interviews at this point? Screw the OG episodes. What do you, what do you think? I mean, yeah, <laughs> that would be ideal, right? <laughs> a lot of work. <laughs> it is a lot of work. And I mean, when we put an OG out in a couple of weeks, people are even going to want to hear us anymore. Like all these cool conversations happening. Actually, you know, what? I'm going to interject because the interview we just had, he was talking about certain things that we talk about, like really deep, you know, jumping into the deep details of a song and really taking the song apart and really geeking out on it. So I think the OGs with guests is still viable as well, right? Good point. Good point. Don't tell everybody the secret sauce. <laughs> oh, I know. Shit. And if this is your first episode, we're obviously a music podcast. I would say at this point, oh, half our episodes are with guests, interviews with musicians or people adjacent to the music industry. The other half is uh, us just yucking it up, talking about music, talking about albums, talking about three album runs, lyrics, all that, full catalog. All of it. House bands. House bands. There you go. <laughs> yep. Geek Fest. We are the lunch table in the corner, just nerding out big time. Yeah, continuing to do it. Nerds the bar. It's what we do. We love uh, we love having the conversations with the three of us, and we love when we get to talk to people like Josh Todd of Buck Cherry, which we just wrapped talking to him. And they have a new record coming out at the end of this week on June second. It's called Volume Ten. It's a banger. You should definitely go listen to that when it drops at the end of the week. But man, guys, what an awesome conversation! Hell yeah, jo Josh is someone for me personally. I never thought we'd even have a chance to talk to. He's just. I, th I think I mentioned this at the very end of the conversation. I think he's truly one of the great last remaining rock frontmen. I mean, think about it. Really, really think about it. You got frontmen that also play instruments. Uh, Josh is, you know, just up there leading the pack. I don't know. Catalog, take take catalog in your heads, guys. He's he's one of the last few. That's a good point. And given the conversation, one that really, really hones in and studies the craft relentlessly. So I think for that matter alone, he's above all in the fact that he just dedicates everything to that, to be the front man, to be the songwriter, day and night, reading, you know, studying the greats and, and trying to use those notes to, to continue the legacy of Buck Cherry without being stagnant. And this just proved that point. So we're going to get into it right now with Josh Todd of Buck Cherry. All right, we are here with Josh Todd of Buck Cherry. Josh, how are you today? I'm great, man. You know, uh, just about to release this new record, our 10th record, Volume 10, June 2nd. And, you know, we just, we did like a month with Skid Row and then we did some of our own shows and now we're home for about a week and a half. Then we start really grinding, you know, because the record's about here. And uh, I'm, we're just really excited because we've been sitting on this record since October of last year. So uh, it's, it's nice to have it finally hit the streets. Hell yeah. And, and we, you know, in prep for this, we've listened to it. We'll get, we get a bunch of questions about the record, but just looking at you guys as a whole, and we, we have these things called band vantages and bandy caps on this podcast. So like, if, it's, if you get a bad band name, we call it a bandy cap, but Buck Cherry all day, band vantage. One of the, it fits you guys, it fits the sound. It's one of the best things out there when it comes to that. Yeah, it's, it's very hooky. And that's, that's all we wanted, a name that you could remember that, you know, had a vibe and, you know, it's, basically Chuck Berry backwards, you know? So 
You can't go wrong with that. I didn't even think of that. That's awesome. That, I, I learned is. something every yeah. day. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Speaking of Chuck Berry, I don't think he was there with us, but we were in the same outdoor field way, way back in the day in another world, another dimension. Uh, we were both at Woodstock 99. Oh, let's go. That was <laughs> yeah, a, man. I got to meet James Brown that day. That was a dream come true for me. Oh, that's awesome. Man. Hell yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, we, we played the first night of Friday and then we left because we had shows to do and we missed all that craziness, you know. Um, I saw the, the Netflix uh, thing on it. It was uh, kind of a sad deal, you know, what it turned into. Oh, yeah. It's un unfortunate. So when you, when you started coming up, Josh, started to sing, is Woodstock, like that level, that grandiose scale, something that you had in your head? Or do you think just it just happened? Yeah, it was always something I had in my head. I dreamed big, you know, when I dreamed, uh, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to be the biggest I could be, you know, as far as, um, you know, I, I just, I wanted uh, to be in one band for my whole career and make a catalog of music. That's what I dreamed about. That's what I'm doing, you know. Um, of course, it didn't happen overnight. You know, I was banging it out since I was 15 and uh, I had a band prior to this uh, called Slamhound and I was in that for like four years and really love that band too, you know, and, but we were hell on wheels and just a fucking train wreck, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's probably a blessing in the skies. that didn't happen because if it would have probably been dead, you know, uh, like Buck Sherry didn't, my professional music career didn't start till I was 26. And that's a little later than most too, but 30 years in the biz. I mean, you've been, you've been around the block 10 yeah, albums yeah. in now. That's, that's wild. Yes. Yeah. Worked uh, really hard for that. This whole band and organization, and crew, and you know, record label. Everybody, everybody in this game, the Buckcherry game, is uh, has put in the time, and um, it's it's really cool to see it come to this point. You know, I mean, we get so caught up in touring and making records and going out and touring and promoting that you lose sight of like where the where you're at, and then you you go, hey. This is like a really cool moment. This is your 10th record. Let's talk about this. You know, when my manager is explaining this to me, I'm like, fuck it, you know, 10 years, 10th record, 24 years on the game. You know, I'm, I'm finally kind of taking it all in. Well, it is rare. Like we were trying to take inventory. Like we, we talk music all the time on this podcast, but take inventory of just modern rock bands that are not only still active, but still putting out good music because there's, you know, it can get dicey, right? With, with some of these legacy acts where... Yes, it can. You know, and so, I don't know. Like, how, how, do, you, how do you keep it going? Like, what is your motivation? I mean, how do you stay yeah, creative? For me, I think you got to continue to work that muscle, you know? I think uh, bands that go years and years and years without dropping a record, it's only going to make you uh, rusty, you know, with your yeah. songwriting and everything, your timing and... So, um, I mean, very few bands can do it. Some guys can do it. I don't know. I, I, uh, I'm either all in or all out. That's just the way I, I operate. So I love that, you know, as long as I'm doing it, we're making records, you know, on a consistent basis. And I feel like Hellbound and volume 10 are our best records today, you know, so it's just getting better. You know, we're, we're finding out new things about ourselves because we continue to challenge ourselves and push ourselves you know, at the uh, ripe old age of 52, you know, I'm like, it's, uh, you know, I think it's very important just to remain teachable, you know, and that's what I try to always be. And that's what Stevie's like. And I like that. And, you know, so I, I always want to learn some kind of new 
little department of my voice that I haven't put on a record that is, you know, or some new part of my range or, you know, my lyric writing is getting better, you know, uh, the hooks, how I put it together, the arrangements, everything is, I'm fine tuning everything and it takes a long time, you know? So, I mean, we wrote a 10 song record and we wrote 25 songs, you know? So, uh, and same thing with Hellbound that we wrote 28 songs. And so you gotta be thorough, you know, you, and, um, I don't know. I just always, uh, love writing music. I love creating something from nothing too. you know, making a record. You start oh, with yeah. just a clean, a clean slate and you see where you're at. And it's that that's exciting for me, you know, to this day. And you said something that I think makes us all appreciate people like you, which is there's no complacency, even though you've been in the game for such a long time, you're still learning, you know, the, the yes. harder you work, the luckier you get the music, like you said, is getting better. You're putting out your best output, you know, in a few weeks here or, or this week for that matter. So yeah. it just, you know, it makes me think and all of us really, cause we all sing in the shower, we all sing in the car and everything. But when did you realize like for <laughs> yourself, like I can actually fucking do this, man. Like, I think I'm going to go for it. Clearly it was at a young age. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a native Californian. I, you know, I was born in LA. I grew up in Orange County. And, uh, so as a kid, I was a surfer and a skateboarder, you know, uh, I was, I was dedicated to surfing. That's what I wanted to do. And um, cut to like uh, 16 in the, what, 15 in the water. And I'm surfing with this kid at school who was a drummer. And um, there was only one band in our high school. And he's like, hey, man. And, you know, I had a huge music collection. I was really into punk rock and independent labels. And, you know, he knew that I had this music collection. And I also was into creative writing. You know, I wrote poetry and just anything, you know, I had a knack for just writing words. And so he's like, Hey, we need a singer. You want to come down and audition? I wasn't singing. I don't know why he asked me, you know? Um, and I go, yeah, I do. And so, um, <laughs> awesome. I remember I talked to my grandfather at the time. I go, grandpa, I don't, you know, I'm going to this audition. I need a microphone. And he's like, he's like, okay, we went down there there. I don't know. You guys may be, uh, I don't know if you guys remember the Federated Group. Anyways, it was like the store back in the day, you know, and you could go in and buy audio stuff. And I went and bought a, just a microphone with like a switch on it. And, <laughs> and it had a hard cord on it already. It wasn't even like, you know, XLR. It was like, it already had a cord. And I just, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. You know, I just went down there and there was no PA. I just, I plugged it into a guitar amp. You know, <laughs> nice. and I started screaming, you know, and my voice was all distorted, but you know, I was, you know, very fired up, you know? And so we started doing like covers and, you know, I was singing covers and for some reason I just stopped everything. And I was like, you know what? Fuck these covers. Let's write a, let's write an original song, you know? And I just started kind of conducting the rehearsal and I was like, I asked the guitar player, I go, you got any riffs? And he's like, yeah, I got a riff. And he throws out a riff and I go, that's cool. And I got down on the ground and I just started writing uh, words and melodies. Like, I, I had never done this before, you know? I wrote this song, uh, Bandana Rosanna. <laughs> and uh, just, we just ripped it out. It was a little punk rock song. And it was just in that moment, I don't know what they were thinking, but in that moment for me, I had this like moment. I'm like, this is it. This is all I want to do, you know? This is amazing, you know? And so, I didn't even care if I didn't get the gig. I left there just on a high, you know, and, and, uh, 
they wanted me in the band. And so I started working and I started really working on my voice because I didn't have a voice, you know? So that's when I started developing my voice because I already knew how to like put words down and create songs, you know, I could do that. And, you know, surfing kind of went in the back seat and uh, it was all about music and that, and I was just, you know, on 11 until now. <laughs> well, I would say that it, it worked out obviously, right? I mean, <laughs> we're it did, talking you know, you I mean, a, a lot of, a lot of stuff, but yeah, you know, um, back then, you know, I, we were too young to play clubs. So we played house parties in Orange County and, and we would do originals and covers and it was nuts. You know, we, we get an older brother, a sister, and we pool our money together and buy a keg of beer and charge three bucks at the door, you know, at the back, at the, <laughs> the backyard door and uh, set up in somebody's living room or backyard. And, and we'd play till the cops come, you know, and, and we all made money too, you know, because we would, uh, we would buy a keg for cheap and sell for three bucks a cup. And, you know, we always made money. It was good, good time. Well, hey, it's come full circle because you guys have a new album coming out this Friday, June 2nd, That's Rondo right. Records, Volume yes. 10. And the video that you guys shot for Good Time is something straight out of what you just said. You know, that's, you guys live that, those house shows. It reminded me of a scene from uh, like the show Californication. Do you remember that show? Yeah. <laughs> straight out of that. So good. But yeah, Good Time, great song, great video. Yeah, like back then, those two guys in the video were like, me and my friends you know we just go into a party and it was just like we just fucking party and and we'd take anything anybody get, gave us you know and, and those guys got some it, it, it seems like they got some lsd you know because they started looking at people's faces <laughs> and they were turning into demons and i'm like this is great you know this is so reminiscent of my childhood you know so that's why we loved the treatment when we wrote it read it sorry so yeah 10 albums in drops this friday We've listened to it. It's awesome. Uh, Thank just you. Last night, making dinner uh, on the way home. You know, spun it a couple times. And uh, some any of your any of these tracks, your favorite track. What are you most excited about people hearing that hasn't been out yet? I mean, I just think the whole record is is you know I've we've been doing so much press. I haven't listened to the record in a long time, and I got so fired up because people were really pumped up that have heard it. You know, and so. Um, I went back and listened to it, and uh, I'm just so proud of it as a whole. But some of the songs that I really love are Pain, uh, One and Only is a really cool song for us, you know. Um, I, I like them all, but, you know, those are two that are really uh, cool. Yeah, P Pain jumped out to us, uh, too, and Feels Like Love jumped out. That one g yeah, gave me that yeah. kind of nostalgic, like I just hopped in the car, turned the radio on, and then yeah. that song hit me. I'm like, ooh, all right, I like this. I like this. Yeah, there's a cool story behind that. You know, I was obsessed with uh, Def Leppard's Hysteria for a long time. And I was like, I went in the studio when we were writing and I said to Marty Fredrickson, our producer, and he wrote, he co-wrote a lot of songs with us. I said, and Stevie was there. I go, I want Buck Cherry's Hysteria. That's the music I want. And they're like, okay. And nice. I left. And then um, that night I got Feels Like Love and just started shedding you know I, it took me like two two hours to write that song and so good such a fun part of the set now too well we echo that we we actually said that verbatim it gave us those vibes and my dad's favorite band is Def Leppard I texted him yeah, I said great. hey June 2nd I want you to hear something and uh <laughs> and he's gonna fucking love it <laughs> oh good yeah that's a driving song you know that's one you can just pump in your car and just drive and reminisce about 
whoever or whatever, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a good driving song. That's another thing we always bring up is like driving music. There's a certain like slot for that kind of music, which is like perfect sound. It's almost like you're in your own movie. Like, oh, this is a fucking drive song. I'm going to play this record front to back. Let's go. So yeah, That's we, can, I hear. we can appreciate that. One question, you kind of alluded to it earlier, but something I wanted to kind of dive into a little bit more on what keeps you, you know, motivated and excited to make music. Cause you were talking about the whole surfing thing you were talking, you know, doing beforehand. And there's a lot of parallels there with like surfing and the preparation and looking at yeah. the forecast the next day. And I feel like music is, is the same way. Yeah. I'm a real student of the game. Like I said, you know, and, um, what keeps me motivated is continuing to write records. You know, I don't know how any bands can just not and and just go out there and kind of do shows every year and never write new records. I mean, that's exciting for me. So, you know, having to show up for that, you have to be on point, you know? So I got to do all these things to get ready for that moment, you know? And what I do to en enhance my storytelling, because songs are like short stories, their songs are, you know, uh illustrations of emotions or whatever you know so I, I like to read a lot of books you know that's what i do in my uh free time i'm always got my head in a book and you know reading how authors put words together it's very interesting to me and i take that all in and then i listen to a lot of music so when i'm listening to music i'm not just i'm not like the normal person i'm a musician so when i listen to music I am analyzing it. I am picking it apart. I am, I am uh, focusing on the arrangement, the melody, the words. It's very hard for me to not to just hang out and not like pick apart any song that's on the radio. And that that's any genre: pop, hip hop, you know, country, anything. You know, so I learn from all that. So um, for me to be like uh, to to be a good songwriter, I want to listen to hit songs. That's what I want to listen to because I want to be a hit wow. songwriter, you know? So I only listen to hit songs and that's what I do. And I, I listen to a lot of pop music because it's vocal driven, it's melody driven, it's written by the best songwriters in the world. So that's, that's something that I listen to a lot. I listen to a lot of hip hop because it's dangerous and I like that element, you know, um, hip hop intimidates me sometimes, you know, and, and I need to be intimidated, you know, rock back in the day, some bands used to do that to me, but I haven't found that in rock for a long time. So um, that's what I kind of listen to the majority of my music. And I, and I just put everything in the bank so that when it comes down to writing and I, and I also accumulate titles. Like if I hear a phrase or some words, I got a whole template in my iPhone and I'll just, I'll just jot down some titles, wow, you know, and maybe like that'll that. spark, maybe that'll spark an idea, stuff like that. So 10 albums in, you're obviously excited. Everyone's excited about their new album. What's different about this one? I'm curious for you guys. I, you know, we're just in a different place, the whole world. You know, when we made Hellbound, Hellbound is a great record, but, you know, there was a lot of negativity going on. Just all, for you sure. know, the, pan yeah. the pandemic, the political situation, everything, you know, the protesting all over the States. It was, it was really gnarly, you know, and so I'm so glad we had that record to focus on. But because of that, it brought up some, some dark stuff, you know, and, and so this one is about, like, it's about having a good time, you know, even though there's songs like pain on there and stuff. Um, it's a pretty good feel good, you know, rock and roll record. And, and I think that it's just kind of uh, matching the times that we're going through. You know, we have busted out of the pandemic. We're ready to have a you know, good time, take the math off, go to go to shows and 
and really celebrate life because it's precious, you know, and I think we all figured that out, you know? So, um, I think that's what it's about for me. Was there anything on this record that kind of took you out of your comfort zone? <laughs> Every, everything takes me out of my comfort zone, man, you know, and, and, and that's, uh, that's what I want. You know, I want pressure. I want to be out of my comfort zone because that's when I learn something new about songwriting, about melodies and, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm highly motivated when it comes to writing songs. And I, and, and if I come up against, if I'm going to like, I, like, I don't understand people who say I had writer's block. I had to stop and, or I had to stop for a while. And I don't get that. I'm, I'm, I have the mentality that this is the music I'm finishing the song and that's it. Whatever, whatever happens, even if it sucks, I'm finishing it, you know? And so I finish it. And then sometimes I revisit it, you know, two days later or whatever. And, rewrite a section or whatever we you know talk to marty and like this this could be a little bit better let me just hammer something out but other than that i you know i sit down and i search my mind i, I ask myself the right questions to get through a song you know um sometimes i'll sit down and it won't come to me right away you know and i'll say to myself josh what what is this how does this music make you feel what does it make you feel and I'll be asking myself this. I always write lyrics and melodies by myself, you know. I like to be away from everybody. And and then uh, it'll spark like a memory or something, like maybe from high school or, or you know, whatever, you know. And uh, and then I'll just go, that's good. And usually when I just start, when I get at least one line out, that's it. Um, the floodgates are open and I can just start ripping it out. But sometimes it takes a while to get that first line. I love that. Like there's the, the songs on the new album. Most of the songs are primed for the live show. Like turn it on. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm singing along the anthemic uh, part at the end. I'm like, this is prime yeah. time for the live show. And you guys, I counted Josh, you guys have over a hundred shows left just this year. So yeah. I assume you're stoked to play this stuff live. Yeah. Really, <laughs> really excited to play it live. Um, we always do a lot of shows on every every record. You know, we did 256 shows for the Hellbound tour. And um, it's just the way we've always done it, you know? I mean, that's where it's at for, if you're if you're in the rock business, you gotta be out on the road, you know, if you wanna make a living at this, you know? So, you know, thank God we base our reputation on our live show. You know, that's that's really why people Absolutely. like this band. They come and, and we have a lot of uh, what I call frequent flyers, people that go to multiple shows and, we have lots of families that come to shows now, you know, where their their parents got into us in 99 and now, you know, now their kids are teenagers and they're coming and, you know, it's become this family affair. It's pretty cool, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm excited to perform this. We have now over 100 songs out on the streets by June 2nd, you know, and so it makes for uh, really, it's very challenging for me to create a set now, you know, because uh well it's it's where it's always i've always wanted it to be you know i used to we used to play with these our heroes like aerosmith and kiss and and so on you know acdc and they would have a full set where every song was a winner you know like there wasn't a turd in the punch bowl right. and i'm like <laughs> i'm like i want to get to that place you know and well, we are there. at that place we're at that place Absolutely at that place. I mean, especially with the new stuff coming and uh, what you can, we can kind of slot in a couple of those songs and just, I yeah. mean, it's already a pretty rounded out set, but I'm sure this will make it fun to, to change it up a little bit. 
yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. Basically, you man you manifested that destiny, right? You said I want to go out there and and be a touring band and play music as a career, and you actually made it. You made it happen. Took time, obviously, but yes, I had that intention, but it came with a lot of hard work. You know, yeah, uh, for sure. You got to have a lot. Of, you have to have massive action behind intentions, or nothing happens. So, <laughs> wrapping up here, you cover Brian Adams' summer of '69 to end the record. You covered Nine Inch Nails in the last record. What what goes through your mind when you're trying to figure out what song to throw in there? Like that, a cover song Yeah, like that. Nine Inch Nails was on War Paint. So then we had Hellbound, No Covers, yeah, I think. Ago, yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. But yes, we had just done that song live a few times. We'd throw it out there because it's so great. You know, I mean, Brian, Brian Adams at that point in time was, he couldn't write a bad song. He was just writing a hit after hit. And that song reminds me of Summer. In, in Orange County. It reminds me of my childhood. It reminds me of high school. It reminds me of, you know, surfing and mean girls and going to parties. And, you know, I love that, you know, and being in bands and, you know, going through the the craziness of trying to keep band members in your band and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, um, people moving on and, you know, getting all their lives changing. And so, it's just such a, an amazing song. I mean, I think every musician has songs where they're like, damn, I wish I would have written that song. It's so good. And, and Summer of 69 is one of those songs. Anyways, we, we would do this song live a lot. And our manager, Larry Mazur, our great manager, he, uh, he saw us do it live one day. And he was just like, oh, my God, you got to do this. You got to record this fucking song. <laughs> Nice. And I'm like, yes, yeah, we'll record it. it it'll be fun, you know, and, but we didn't think much of it, you know, cut to here we are making the volume 10 record and he keeps hammering summer of 69. I, I kept saying, Larry, it doesn't really fit like, you know, the, the theme of what's going on on the record, you know, and I, we, we tried to, to just not do it for a while. And then not because we didn't want to do it just because we were so focused on, we had all these great songs and we didn't really, we weren't really paying attention to that. And, um, so we kept hammering it and it, we recorded that right at the end and it just has a vibe. You know, we, we, we sped it up just a little bit and we put our flavor on there and it sounds like a Buck Cherry song now, you know, and, uh, it's so cool. I mean, that's, what's great about like a hit song, you know, you can slow it down, you can speed it up and it's still going to be great because all it, you know, it's got all the right stuff, you know, all the right hooks and the arrangements perfect and. You know, it's just one of those songs. Sprinkle in the Buck Cherry flavor and we're off off to the races. Yeah, That's I love it. it. <laughs> That's it. Well, Josh, we know you got to get out of here. We really appreciate talking to you today. Thanks, man. Thanks so much, guys. Really nice uh, chatting with you guys. Glad you uh, like the, the record. One of the last true great front men, Josh. Ah, about that. Thank you, man. It, it's a appreciate dying that. art. It's a dying appreciate art. Appreciate that. Yes, it is. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Thanks, guys. Josh. Take it easy. Cool. Be good. We'll see you on tour. Thank you for listening to Patio Slave. We are at Patio Slave on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all of the places that you can find us on social media. Facebook, Patio Slave Podcast. YouTube, Patio Slave Podcast there. Email us at patioslavepodcast at gmail.com. And hey, if you want to become a supporter, click on the link at the bottom of the episode and give us a dollar, give us five bucks. It keeps the lights on, keeps us going. We really appreciate that stuff. Thank you. <laughs>